0: Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, munciefirstchurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, good morning again. Hey, uh, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you guys and, and the worship has been Phenomenal this morning. Man, my heart has just been lifted up. I was just overwhelmed by the sense of his presence this morning. Thank you guys, uh, Ian. You know, Ian has started the Philippians series and really did a great job of really going overview of all of Philippians for the most part and hitting on the major themes and did a great job. That I want to go small today. We're going small today. We're going to go down and look at just some specific things and um, so if you have your Bibles take them and turn to Philippians chapter 1 verses 3-11 through 11. and I didn't get it to I never got the uh, scripture to Nathan he's the one who puts it up there and so it's on me that it is not up there today but you can look at it on your phone or in your Bibles you know like I heard uh, Bill Johnson one day when we were there actually I think in, in Reading say I wish that they would fix on that app the sound of rustling pages so that when you're turning there, we can still hear that, kids I really miss that," he said. <laughs> I kind of do too. That's that kind of a cool thought, you know, the sound of rustling pages. That would be good. But anyway, uh, Philippians 1: three through 11. and I'm going to read that to you in just a moment here. but thank you again for, for everything that you do. Philippians 1 verses three through 11. "I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus or Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And I want you to get that partnership, share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best, may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, today we invite you to just speak to our hearts through your word lord your word has just become alive and so precious to me and i pray that for your children as well for all your children we bless your name thank you lord in jesus name we pray amen i uh i was at our house i should start that way at our house we have a lot of trees Some of you have been to my house, and you know what I'm talking about. I have sort of a woods that I live in. It's not as thick as it used to be. It's just still some trees. And uh, the ash borer, the golden ash borer, really did a number, because I had a lot of ash trees, and so it killed off a bunch of trees, and they were around my house. And so a couple of years ago, uh, my son John brought a lift over to my house, and I went up in there, and we began to cut, and we cut down 11 ash trees in one day. We didn't cut them up. We just cut them and laid them down in the yard. And 11 trees make a huge mess in your yard. I just don't know if you know that or not, but it really does. If you've ever cut down one tree, you know how much wood you get. I had 11 down, and these are not little tiny trees. These are trees. These are big trees. These are mature ash trees, and I had 11 of them down. If you ever want to see the pictures, I've got pictures. It's horrible, and it's discouraging, and it was just like, oh my goodness, what have I done? And I looked around, and it was just like, this, I'll never get cut up. Well, I started cutting on a little at a time, you know, and I was making very little progress. And I had said something about it. And one morning, I was going out to cut, and a truck pulled down the driveway. And it was Ryan Plummer. You guys know Ryan. He's a police officer. And uh, he's your dad. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Isn't that awesome? She, she at least acknowledges that it's her dad. Yeah, that's good. She's not ashamed. And, uh, you know, and... Uh, And he pulls down my driveway, and he gets out, and he's got a box of donuts and two chainsaws. The donuts were important, only because he had one with bacon on it, and that was really good. And he's a police officer, and he had to have his donuts. I think that was part of it, too. I'm not sure on that. But anyway, don't tell him I said that. (laughs) And uh, so he gets out, and, and we start working. And, you know, we cut all day together. And we got so much done. He didn't quite finish it, but he got so much cut up. And then a few days later, he showed up with a, with a skid steer and, and a big truck, and we loaded some of the big chunks of wood on that truck, and he hauled them off to a friend so that he could have firewood for later on. And you know, his partnership in that, his coming alongside me, joining me in what I was doing, changed everything for me. It changed it all. I think I'd still be out there cutting on that if Ryan hadn't showed up because it was just like defeating. You know, one little chainsaw, you would cut and cut and it didn't seem like you made any difference. But when two got busy and two began to work and we worked hard and long, there was times where we'd stop and we'd talk and we'd have a little camaraderie and we'd we'd encourage each back to it. And we got so much done. And then it was like, hey, we can do this. We can finish it. It was partnership. Paul had uh, become a Christian and, and had gone through the process. And you know the story, most of you, of Paul, how he, he gets saved. And, well, he became saved. He became a missionary. He began to go out into uh, places around the world to to tell people about the gospel. And he, he always went out. And, and when he went out, he went with a, a friend. He had a, a friend named Silas who went with him on the second missionary journey. And he went out into a place called Philippi. And that's where the book of Philippians come from. Comes from and he went out there and the, and the story in Acts is, is that as he went out it's down in Acts I think 16 he goes out there and, and he begins to go down to the river to pray. And as he goes down there, there's some women down there working, washing clothes, whatever. And he runs into this lady named Lydia. And Lydia sells purple. Now, you, today, you know, we don't really sell colors, but back then, that was an important thing. And she sold the color purple. She could dye your clothes purple, your hair purple, I don't know, whatever else you wanted purple. And so she was down there working and he ran into her and he began to talk to her. And while he was talking to her, she listens and she hears the gospel. And when she hears the gospel, she got saved. It says that her whole household joined in and they all got saved together. It's exciting. Well, then he moves on and he's going through the town and he's telling everybody about Jesus. And he's trying to explain what happened and how he was saved and how it changed his life forever. And he's going on and on about all this. And um, people are getting saved. And then he runs into this girl. She's a servant girl, and she has the spirit on her of being able to tell fortunes. And everywhere he goes, she's coming up to him, and she's calling him, servant of the Most High God. And it becomes annoying. I mean, you know, it's kind of cute the first 25 times, but after a while, when somebody yells at you, hey, servant of the Most High God, you kind of go, would you stop it? And she couldn't stop it because it was the spirit in her. And finally, he's had enough, and he cast that evil spirit out of her, and she gets saved well that ticked off her owners her, her servant. she was a servant girl it ticked off her master he was making money using her that way and so he was a little ticked off and so he said you know what i'm taking you in and he he hauls paul downtown silas down to the officials and he's arrested and he's put in prison and put in jail and so he's in jail for the night and so while he and silas are in jail waiting on their turn to tell their side of the story They decided, hey, you know, let's just worship the Lord. And so they begin to sing, and they begin to praise the Lord, and begin to pray. And God came, and there was an earthquake, and the jails opened up, and everybody was free, and the jailer there thought, oh my goodness, it's a Roman jail, I'm going to die for letting the prisoners out and letting them get free. And so he thought he was going to die, so he was ready to take his life, and Paul stopped him and said, we're all still here. And so he took account of it, and so he listened. And Paul began to tell him the story, and he got saved. And the Bible says his whole household was baptized. So the church began in Philippi. Well, soon after that, Paul goes through his trial, basically has to leave. They're just, uh, I am not even so many people are getting after him. He has to leave. He doesn't have time to really do a lot of discipleship. doesn't have time to set up a building and, and get all the people in place and create a, a hierarchy and make a church out. He just... He, he's told them about Jesus, they know about him, the Holy Spirit is there, the Holy Spirit has come upon these people, and then Paul has to leave, and he goes on his way. And that's the last you hear of the, Philippi, the, the Philippian church in Acts. But here's the deal, as we go on and as we read the book of Philippians, we hear those words that I read to you this morning, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. So I want you to think about something here. He didn't have a chance to do all that, but the church has flourished. The church has taken root. It's growing, and it's going on. This is years later. He's in jail. Paul is in a Roman prison now. He's not in a little Philippian jail. He is in Rome. He is in prison. He is in chains. He has been drugged there. He can't go anywhere. He's under total prison guard. He's locked up, and he says, every time I pray for you, I pray with joy, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See, here's the deal. The Philippian church has flourished and they have joined Paul in the ministry. They have gotten involved in what it is that he's doing. They've gotten involved in the church ministry and in the missionary ministry that Paul's doing. They've become his partners and they have become a means of grace to Paul. They become a means of grace to Paul. They become a means of grace to others. Now grace is a great word and and means of grace is something that we may not quite fully understand. John Wesley talks about uh, the means of grace and when we talk about that, what we're talking about usually is things like prayer is a means of grace. It's It's a way in which we reach out and God reaches out to us and we reach out to God and we partner with God and it's a connection place with God. It's a means of grace. Communion is a means of grace. When we take communion together... That's a means of grace. That's God reaching down to us and us reaching up to God, and there's a connection there. Something spiritual that begins to happen. It's more than crackers and Kool Aid. Okay? It's, it's, it's something that goes on. We can't explain it all. You know, in different places, they make it out to be certain things and other things, but, but we know that something more mystical than just eating bread and, and, and drinking juice, there's, there's a, a connection there. It's a means of grace, a way in which God touches us with his spirit. The Bible is a means of grace. By the way, if you're not reading the Bible every day, why not? Because the reality is, is this is a means of grace. This is a way in which God has agreed to talk to us and be there for us. And if you're not reading it, you don't know what it says in it, it's not doing you any good. It's not a magic book. It's a truth book, and you've got to read it. But it's God's means of grace to us. The way he touches us well they were being a means of grace to paul they were a way in which god was moving and 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 doing things and reaching out to paul through this church he was helping paul he was encouraging them and others to find uh, to be helped others finding jesus through them and and paul not finding jesus but but they're being jesus to paul they're a means of grace by which god connects to paul from heaven and grace is such a great word here. It, it's the word, or joy, actually I should say. It's the word caros. It's, it's a word that means joy. They're a means of joy to him as well. Because Paul, as he lives in this Roman prison, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you know, when it's gloomy and dark outside, like in the winter, I feel like I'm in prison. Anybody here feel like that? You know, it's just like man. And it's hard sometimes, you're just sitting there and you're going, man, it's never going to end. And today I feel free because it's beautiful outside. And you know, Paul's locked up and he's, he can't go anywhere. He's locked up and there's got to be some days where it's just gloomy and, and dark in there and he's just depressed and going, man, God, something. And, and these people, when he thinks about them, when he prays for them, he says, I have joy. And the reason he has joy, the reason he has joy is because they're, they're being a part of the ministry with him. And that joy is something that's deeper than just the weather or whether you're in a prison. It's joy that comes from God. It's joy that because of what they're doing. And he's excited about them. They're in partnership and fellowship with him and the Holy Spirit. They're in partnership with the Holy Spirit and with him, I should say. They're involved. I love this. They're involved. They're not just watching from the sidelines. See, church these days has become a sideline activity like football. Have you ever noticed that? There's millions of people sitting in the stands watching football while 22 guys on the field who don't need any exercise are going full out and doing everything they can do. You know, Probably millions of people in the stands who need exercise, I should say, who are sitting watching 22 guys who don't need another minute of exercise go full out exercising with all their strength. And that's kind of like church has become. We're sidelined Christians. Oh, that was a good sermon, Pastor. Oh, I'm so glad that Al's doing the shoe ministry. Oh, I'm thankful that Karen goes on her mission trips. Oh, I'm glad that and we can go on down the list. We're glad that that we're glad that Madison does children, and we're glad that Ian takes care of the youth. And we're thankful to have him play his guitar and Allison sing. Wasn't that neat? But that's sideline ministry. That's sideline. They weren't being sideline Christians. They were involved. They were partnering with Paul. They were not just watching. The first thing they did was they prayed. They provided prayer coverage for the ministry that Paul was involved in. They were involved in his ministry by praying for him. And they didn't just pray, oh, Lord, bless Paul. I hope he's okay. But the Bible's pretty clear that they dug down deep inside themselves and they stayed on their knees and they contended in prayer for Paul. That's different than what most of us pray. They contended in prayer. Anybody here ever contend in prayer? where you're just digging down deep, where you just got to stay with it, where you just pray, where you can't let go of it. It's like you're hanging on. I'll tell you what, you know, you're just hanging on. You know, it's trying to throw you off. It's trying to buck you off. Have you ever ridden a horse that was not exactly friendly and was bucking? I've, I used to ride a lot when I was younger, and I'd do that. And, and you know, you, you have to hold on. You contend. You stay with it or else you're going off. And that's kind of the way it is. You're contending. You're hanging on. You're, you're seeking until you get through, until God answers. That's what they were doing for Paul. They were contending for him. I wonder what the ministry would look like if God's people, his church, would begin to contend for the ministry again. If instead of sitting on the sidelines saying, well, that was a nice service. I did my time. I got my ticket punches. Don't matter. I'm just going to go on. I've got things to do and I'm comfortable anyway. So it's just our, right. if instead of that, we would just begin to contend in our homes. We would contend for the ministry. If when the church doors opened for prayer, we showed up and we contended For ministry. You know, it's so easy to say, I'm too busy. I just got to tell you something right now. If you're too busy to pray, then you need to go to God and say, God, take some stuff out of my life. Because you need to be here to pray. There's nothing more important than the prayer. Not even this service is more important than the prayer meeting that we have on Wednesday night where we contend for the ministry and where we need to do it for each other and for the ministry of this church. You know, Ian cannot minister, you know, people want to say, well, you know, there's not as many teens as there used to be, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you think Ian needs to have more teens, then pray about it. Don't talk about it. Don't ever, ever, ever talk to me about that until you've told me I've been praying for it a long time. Contend for the youth. You say, well, there's not as many children as there used to be. Contend for it. Get behind Madison and pray for her. Pray because it's not easy work. It's not pizza every night for youth ministry, like everybody likes to think. It's hard work. It's sometimes discouraging work. It's some of you know you have teenagers and you can't hardly stand to be with them, and he's got to be with them all the time, and he's supposed to care for them. You need to pray for him and for Madison as they struggle for the gospel. And Nathan, as he that leading worship up here is way more than just music. Because I'm going to tell you right now that when Nathan's up here leading music and the Holy Spirit is moving, Satan's doing everything he can to stop that. He wants to stop that. So you need to pray. You need to contend in prayer for the ministers of our church and for the ministry of this church, not only just for them, but for everybody who goes out here and, and cares about someone else or ministers in any way, shape, or form. We need to pray for each other and pray for the ministry of this church. They provided prayer. The same thing they did was they provided money you're not supposed to talk about money in church i've heard that from some people but i don't believe that because i think that we need to talk about money and let me tell you why because you can't do anything in this world without money you know that how many of you make some money have an income anybody here have an income man where do you guys do for money then nobody has an income how many of you have an income all right you got money coming in you got to, even if you're retired, you have an income or else you're really, really hungry. You know? You're know, you getting your food somewhere. The church is no different. It takes money to operate this. This building is, is, is expensive. The grounds are expensive. Taking care of the lawn. How many of you like the lawn looking mowed? Isn't it pretty? Someone has to mow that and it takes money. It takes all those kinds of things. Money is important. You know what? It takes money to do youth ministry. How many of you know we need to spend more money on youth and we need to spend more money on children? I'm serious as I can be. We need to have the money to do it. You know what? We can't do that without you giving. That's how it works. They gave. They got involved with Paul. Paul needed money too. He had to have some money. When you're Going out on a missionary journey, you got to have a few dollars. You got to buy some food. You got a place to stay once in a while. You may have to take care of a a, a ticket to ride a boat somewhere. Paul had to have some money, and they provided for him. They were a means of grace, they were a blessing to him. They gave him what he needed so that he could go on. The Bible talks about that. It says, and Paul talks about it, he says, You were the only church out of all of them, you were the only church. Who decided it was important enough for us to be in the ministry that you gave of your means. Or in other words, you gave of your money. What a blessing to Paul. And the people. They, they would send people with him once in a while. Every once in a while they'd say, hey, why don't you go and see Paul and make sure he has what he needs. And here, take him some food and, and, and take him a new robe. I'm sure it's getting ratty by now. And And they would give him a, a supply package, and they would go and they'd supply his needs, and that person would stay with him, and they would pray with him, and they would love on him, and they would contend with him, and they would tend to all of his needs. Whatever it was that was going on, they sent people to care for him. They met Paul's needs. I love this idea of partnership. Partnership is, is, is an important word, but it really comes from the same root word of everything as fellowship. How many of you know what the word fellowship actually means? Do you got any idea? Because, see, it's not pie and coffee after church. Now, that's a part of it, and that's okay, especially if it's apple pie with ice cream on it's warm and and it's really good coffee. uh, That can be okay. But it's still just coffee and pie after church for most of us. But it doesn't have to be. Fellowship is much different than that. It's a common belief in something. How many of you understand that? We have a common belief how many of us believe in Jesus Christ? Anybody here? A few of you. I hope the rest of you do too. That's our common belief. Right on, Drake. Good deal, man. I say, yeah, hand. That's good. Thank you, man. I know Drake does. I know he believes in Jesus. I've heard him say so. He's a little guy, but he has a strong belief already. And here's the deal. When we believe in Jesus, we have a common belief. That's the commonality between us, okay? Because how many of you all were born here in Muncie? Raise your hand just a part of you how many of you were born outside the states okay you know there's people all over outside the state of indiana some outside the states of the united states too you know there's at least one here i know that two three i know three at least that were born outside the united states okay here so i mean you know and there's some here i forgot about y'all here There there's probably some of you born outside the united states I, you know in fact i'm starting to feel a little bit like i was kind of cheated i got born here in indiana you know but anyway uh reality is is that that's not our commonality we weren't all born the same you know and and we don't all work the same jobs and how many of you like sports how many of you don't like sports and we should go away Uh uh-huh see there's some of you like that you know you're sick people but you know you're still here and we love you anyway and the reality is is that that's not our commonality you know And, and how many of you like steak and how many of you don't like steak See, there's even people who don't like steak, you know? So that's not our commonality. But we had one commonality, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the common goal, a common ground between us. And because of Jesus, we have fellowship. Isn't that cool? Because of Jesus, we have fellowship. We have a common belief, and it's a two-sided relationship. It's not me by myself. And see, that's the problem with ministry a lot of times, is that it ends up being a person by themselves doing everything, and everybody watching it's a two-sided relationship. Paul wasn't the only missionary. He was a missionary, but he had other people helping him all the time. They were going together. It was a partnership. It was fellowship. It's a commonality. It's a two-sided relationship. It's a partnership in something. And the partnership is in the gospel. The fellowship that we have, it centers around the good news. Jesus Christ came and gave his life for us and died, but Grave couldn't hold him as we sang this morning, and he rose from the dead. And he's alive, so the Philippians are not watching, and they're not sitting on the sideline, and they're not saying, "Paul, you carry the ball, you do it all, you take care of it." John Maxwell, back in his day when he was going and and had his church, he he would do this illustration where he would go out and he'd have eleven guys as like in football lined up on one side, and then he would go out by himself and, and stand there, and they would act like they were going to play football. How many of you think that Peyton Manning could have won the Super Bowl by himself? Couldn't have done it. See, because it takes everybody working together. You know why we aren't winning the battle? It's because we have too many one-man, two-man, three-man, four-man teams up here while everybody else sits and says, oh, I hope it succeeds. I sure wish the church would grow again. I sure wish there was more people here. I sure wish people would change. I sure wish the world was different. But it won't ever happen if we go about ministry the way we are right now. It's a partnership. It's a fellowship. It's us partnering with each other and partnering with the Holy Spirit. And we all partner and fellowship together. It happens. Something happens. And here's the deal. When we're full-on participants, when we're in fellowship and full-on participants, something happens. Joy happens. You know why people don't go to church anymore? Because it's not fun not fun i am glad thank you thank you you're my best friend right now you know that i love having the kids in here because they talk back to me and i like that man that's so good i get feedback immediately it's so cool but here's the deal church isn't fun for most people and here's why because they're sitting you know i played football in high school and in college even one year I got a picture to show you if you want to ever see it. I, I can show you. I'm me playing football in college. I was a little heavier than I am now, a little bigger, a lot younger. But I did. And here's the deal. I found out. I hated football when I didn't get a play. It's no fun to get dressed every day and go out to practice and, and be the, the, the practice dummy. Nobody wants to do that. I wanted to be the guy on the field. But I'll tell you what, when game day came and you were on the starting lineup and you ran out on that field and man, you made that first tackle of the game, man, there was a lot of fun, man. You get up and man, you just couldn't help yourself. It was like, woohoo, <laughs> you know, I can't do it anymore. It parts fall off when I shake like that now, so I'm <laughs> not going to do it. But anyway, it, it was awesome, you know, and you just couldn't hardly, you know, you couldn't find anything better than that. That was just amazing. And, and some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, some of you go, I don't like music. And some of you, you participate in the music and you're going, man, I love music. Those of you who sit there and never sing and say, I don't like music, you know why you don't like music? Because you don't participate. Even if it's not your music, sing it. And you'll find out you know the words. When you know the words, you'll sing it and you'll enjoy it. Because it's not bad music. It's pretty good, actually. I love the old music, too. I was just telling Wanda Nichols back there, I said, man, I love older music, but I love this music, too. And it's because I've been participating in it. And when, when uh, Nathan sings or, or, or when Allison sang this morning, I didn't just sit there. I, I'm singing. They probably hear me over her because I, I just belted out. I just love the Lord and I want to sing. It's a good thing. I love it. I'm not a great singer, but I love to sing because I love to be a part of it. We're full-on participants. And when we do, we get joy. And here's the other thing. Joy happens, and second thing is common goals get achieved. You know, we are never going to achieve the goals that we have together if one or two people are trying to achieve them or a dozen people are trying to achieve them. It takes all of us. When we get together and say, you know what, we're going to get this done, something happens. You know, a few years ago, we were cleaning up for our 100th year anniversary, remember that? And we came in here together and we had a big crowd gathered and we were, we were looking at the landscape and we were going, man, that's a big job. I don't know if we can get this done or not. And everybody jumped in there. You know what it took? It took almost a half hour to get it all finished. You know why? Because we had so many people, they only took a section about like this and boom, it was over. We got it done because we did it together. Joy happens when you do it together. Joy happens in fellowship. Joy doesn't happen when you're by yourself. You know what? I, I've gone out, I play golf and, and I'm out there and I, and I shoot a great score all by myself. You know, there's no joy in that. You got no one to tell. But the other day, we were on a golf trip. I've been waiting. I've been waiting, man. This is my moment. We were on the golf trip, and I played terrible. And we play this game where they give points for, like, if you get a birdie, you get so many points, like three. And if you get a bogey, you get, like, one. And if you get a par, you get two. And and I only needed nine points because I'm so bad. And, like, Ian had to get 20 because he's so much better because he plays golf while I work. It's amazing, you know? (laughs) Or something like that. And so... So we go out there, and we're playing that day, and I got 29 points. I shot an 81. I came in, and I gave my card to Jim, and he said, how'd you do? I said, I shot an 81. And he and Ian he go, what, what, what? It was awesome. I was cheating, yeah. But you know what? I had all kinds of joy that day because I got to do it in front of, all of them. And I sunk a birdie on the last hole with them watching. It was so much fun because they were there to see it. When we do stuff together, and when there's people there with you, It's fun. It's fun. We succeed. See, the deepest fellowship happens when we do it together. And I'm going to tell you something. The most deep fellowship you'll ever experience is when we pray through to victory around the altar. When we are on our knees, when we are contending in prayer, and God breaks through, and the Holy Spirit moves, and He makes that promise that He's going to do it, and we see it happen, we stand up. And I'm telling you right now, it'll revolutionize your life if you've been praying for someone to get saved and they haven't gotten saved and you contended in prayer for them and then you see them come down the altar and you get to pray with them and they find the lord there is nothing better you're standing up and you're doing the little happy dance all over the place and everybody's going man look at that they're dancing and you know why they're dancing because they're so happy there's so much joy in that but there's a big problem as i've been mentioning already we often choose to let someone else do it we're just willing to sit back and say but uh I, I don't have time i don't have talent i'm comfortable with where i'm at and so we sit and watch and we view christianity as simply salvation i want to tell you something right now and this is this is about his most important thing i'm going to say all day probably is this christianity is simply not just salvation salvation is just a beginning place it's a place we get started you know we, we, we go to Jesus, and he forgives us of our sin, and that opens the door to the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God comes in our lives, it changes everything. We don't just become individual Christians out here by ourselves saying, I got my ticket punched, I'm going to heaven, it doesn't matter what else I do. We get to be part of the kingdom And the kingdom happens in these churches. Now, you know, our church isn't the only church. We're a little part of it. See, what needs to happen is as we work together, then we need to expand out of here and we need to start getting involved with other churches and other people because we're the kingdom of God. We're not just the kingdom of Nazarene. You you know, when we take communion together, from time to time we take communion together, we need to do it more often. But when we take communion together, it's not just you taking communion Communion is, by nature, all of us coming together. We receive communion. It's a reminder that we're not bystanders looking on. We're taking part. We're a part of it, and we're part of it together. We're corporately participating in the death and the life of Jesus. We are saying to him, I'm a partner with you, Jesus. I, I choose to be a partner. I'm coming up here, and I'm going to drink the juice, and I'm going to eat the bread, and I'm going to be your partner in this kingdom. It's fellowship, it's it's us getting together that common goal around Jesus' death and saying we're going to achieve whatever it is that God has for us. Ministry never depends on just one person. It's always us working together in partnership and in fellowship as a community to reach our city. You know, I don't want to grow just a great church. I hope our church can grow into a great church. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm looking forward to what God wants to do in the next few years but I want more than that. I want to grow into a great city. You know, we were out in Reading, and and I've told you some of the stories. There was a, you know, they they are so involved in their city. Their their goal is not to grow a great church. Their goal is to grow a great city. And they've, they've gotten involved in it. You know, there were four police officers getting ready to be laid off in Reading because they just didn't have the money. It's a town a lot like Muncie, uh, kind of a crumbling town with, with a lot of industry that left and different things. And so they were struggling. There's four police officers going to be laid off. And you know what the church did? The church went to the city and said, we'll pay for their salaries. Keep them. We'll take care of it. That's what I want to be. I want to be a church that can say, you know what, let's take care of it. Let's make sure that we have what we need as a city. Let's bless this city. Not not, not so everybody can just sit around and be comfortable, but let's bless it so that Christ can reign, so people can meet Jesus. There's four things that we practice in ministry as partners, and I want to share that with you again, and I'll be wrapping this up real quick, but we pray for each other. That's the first one. Number one, we pray for each other, and we pray together. It's got to happen you can say well I, I pray at home i'm okay yeah i'm glad you pray at home but there's a place in a time where we need to gather to pray throughout the bible they gather to pray regularly there's a place we need to gather in and pray and it's not just letting someone else pray either it's all of us praying together because god needs to hear the more we pray the better off we're going to be we, it, it changes our hearts it moves our minds we, You know what? If we're not praying, our hearts and our minds will never be moved to where God wants them to be moved to. We need to pray together and for each other. Secondly, we all sacrifice together for the sake of Christ in the community. All of us sacrificing together. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, you just don't know my financial needs. I'll tell you what, I know mine. And I'll put them up against most people's as not having all that much coming in, but I don't know where it comes from, but I know that God always supplies my needs according to his riches. He's taking care of me, and you can say, oh, that just sounds really nice for you. It is for me, and it is for you too, all of us. If we will trust the Lord, will give us what we need. He'll take care of us. I believe that with all my heart, and I believe right now that as this church gives, it will be blessed. I believe that if you're not giving, it's shame for you because you're going to miss out on the blessing. Because I can tell you right now, when the things begin to happen, when God begins to move and you're giving to it, you're going to sit there going, man, I helped with that. And you get part of the joy. When you don't give, when you decide not to be a part, it's like, well, I I guess that's nice. I don't know. You don't understand that. It's giving, not only our money, but our time. You know, I know we're busy and I know there's things going on, but I'll tell you right now, if you're too busy to give your time to the church, you're too busy. Not because the church is like, oh, we got to have all these things, but because this is God's community and He has plans. And you want to be a part of that. Your talents, you know, it doesn't matter what your talent is. Your talent could be fixing things. Your talent can be, uh, you know, mowing the yard. Your talent can be singing. Your talent can be teaching kids. You know, right now we're getting ready to have VBS. How many of you know we're getting ready to have VBS? What's the dates, Madison? August 1st through 4th. August 1st through 4th. I usually don't have to repeat that. She's usually loud enough you can hear it. So uh, August 1st through 4th, and that's a good thing. I'm not a problem with that. You teach children. You're supposed to be loud. You know, louder than them. That's, that's a magic thing right there. So August one through four, and we need teachers. Okay? I'm tempted right now to ask, how many of you are going to help? But I won't do that to you right now. I will if they don't, uh, if you don't get enough help next week, we will start that, but I'm serious. I need teachers. And you know what? You go, well, I'm not very good. Yeah. You know what? You're plenty good. God's going to help you. See Madison. She'll get you signed up today, right now, after church. We need teachers. We need people who will jump on board. We need their time. We need your talent. We need your money. The third thing is this. We engage together in the common vision or task of ministry it's togetherness we need to do it together it's not my ministry don't ever call this my church i don't own this church you understand that right i don't own it i get nothing out of this church except for you give me a salary and then i get the blessings of being your pastor and getting to be a part in fellowship and community with you and when you're not in fellowship and commune with me you know what when we're not helping when i'm doing it and i feel like i'm doing it all it's not a blessing. It becomes a curse. It becomes very difficult. We can all talk about that. You've been in those situations. But when you're all helping, man, you're a blessing. And we work together when God moves and great things happen. This is not my church. I love leading this church, but I am not this is not my church. I don't own it. When I leave here, you're not giving me you like you know 50% of the church or something to take with me. It's not gonna happen. And the last thing is this we do it together. And I know that kind of repeats, but we do it together. It's a together thing. We do it together. We do it together. We do it together. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's not you just being stuck with something. It's us working together to change the world and and to make the kingdom happen. That's what Paul was talking about when he said that you bring me great joy, that I experience joy, and I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. That's awesome. That's awesome. So remember this. I want you to remember some things. Number one, who we are. We are the church. You say, well, I thought you said we weren't the church. Well, we aren't the only church, but we are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the church of the Nazarene, the one who walked on this earth, who gave his life for us. We are his church, his body, his people. We are the people of God. We are God's people. When we go out into this community, my prayer is, is people will know that we are God's people. Yesterday when we had all the bikers here, we had 270 motorcycles here and the Huey helicopter was landing and taking off and it was a big affair going on here. And I was in there and you know what? I tried my best to just be the people of God in front of them. Serve, love. Even people that sometimes are a little different, they wore some crazy looking clothes. A friend of mine that worked at the Harley Shop said it's Halloween at the Harley Shop 24 7, 365 days a year, and I understand what he's talking about. But we are God's people. We're a community who together represents God. Oh, by the way, I want to back up and say, you know, Larry Finney showed up for that. You know, that's not Larry's thing, he doesn't bike but he's a veteran and he loves that and he shows up every year, but he showed up and he worked like that was the main thing in his life. And he was a people of God yesterday. It was awesome. Thank you, Larry, for doing it. He stayed all the way to the very end. We, he carried the trash to the dumpster. So he was here at the end. He locked up the garage door. Thank you. We are individuals whom Jesus loved and died for. That's your identity, you know. you're not, You're not you know, someone who does this or I've got that or what. You are the individual that Jesus Christ died for and loves more than anything else in the whole world. So we need to be engaged in and we need to partner in the fellowship and become the means of God's grace to our community. If you're not doing that, I invite you to it. I invite you to the change. You say, well, I'm not sure how to get started. I'm going to tell you, start to pray at home. Get involved in the prayer right now. That's where it begins, and then we'll go from there. Start praying at home. Contend for the ministry of this church at home. Get here on Wednesday night. 5.30, we have a meal. 6.30, we have prayer. We will meet and we pray. We don't do a whole lot else. We have a little music. It's old, by the way, in case you like old music. If you don't like old music, come sing it anyway. And then we're going to pray and we're going to contend for the church. We're contending for the lost souls of our loved ones. We're contending for God to change our city. We're contending for God to provide us with everything that we need. We're contending for our youth that are going off to college. We're contending for people who are struggling in marriages. We're contending for sick people. We believe God wants to heal the sick. We really do. We want to be a means of God's grace to this world. We really do. Let's pray together. Father, right now, I pray that your word does not go out void. I pray that you will change hearts. I pray that you will make us into the people you want. And most of all, I pray that we will contend for you and that we will be the means of grace that people will see us and know that we are different than the rest of the world. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now will be upon this place, uh, will continue to be upon this place throughout the years ahead. And most importantly, that your Holy Spirit be on each person that as they leave here, they will take your spirit with them and that they will let you lead, guide, and make a difference through them wherever we go. I love you and praise you, Lord. Thank you for letting us be a partner with you in the ministry. Lord, it's a privilege. I stand here right now, and I don't take this lightly, It is a great privilege to be a part of your ministry. It's a privilege to serve alongside so many here over the years. And Lord, I'm I'm asking you for some more years and I'm asking you to help us and I'm asking you to provide that we might serve not just for this local church, but for this city and for the world that we live in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You're dismissed.